It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy hour as part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's neworleans.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stall, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limousine or just got out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you because that's New Orleans and this is happy hour, a cocktail filled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common other than none of us are in a bar. And we're all locked in our homes somewhere in New Orleans. So welcome to another 60 Minutes of Happy Hour from Home, brought to you live on Zoom. We'll have a bunch of guests. We've opened the show up today as well to people, anybody who wants to join us, if they can find us. Hopefully, this is going to work on, on Facebook at some point. And in the meantime, my very special guests here include Connie Ballone. Hi, Connie. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Good. I'm pleased to have you here. I can't tell what you do exactly. My my information here about you is, is very confused. It says, I think it says you are the COO of something called the Early Childhood and Family Learning Foundation. Is that right? Sort of. I The Early Childhood and Family Learning Foundation is now the Health and Education Alliance of Louisiana. So, so we changed our thing. name. Same thing. But we changed our name about four or five years ago. Oh, so how do I end up with all this wrong information? I don't know. Okay. I won't even ask anything questions about that. Okay. So you're the chief executive officer. You're the CEO of the Health and Education Alliance of Louisiana. Yes. Okay. What is that exactly? So the Health and Education Alliance of Louisiana, we call it HEAL for short, is a nonprofit organization that focuses on children in poverty. Um, in New Orleans and the metro area and actually across the entire state of Louisiana. And we work with children and families and school districts to help make sure that our most at-risk students are successful, healthy, and academically successful. Well, that's a very worthy idea. You know, we, well, we, we've been doing this. This foundation started in 2006, right after Katrina. And the goal was to work with early childhood back then to get the child cares open so people could go back to work. But we didn't just want the kids warehouse somewhere. We wanted them in a quality setting in the, with the appropriate trained staff and the supplies around them. What, and our, what, our most what's so wrong with putting project, kids in a warehouse? <laughs> our most notable project was the, um, the Mahalia Jackson School on Jackson Avenue. It was a community school built with 16 partners, including all the social service agencies and big brother, big sister, early Head Start, Head Start, and all of those types of partners so that community members could bring their children to a safe environment that had all the resources necessary to help everyone grow up happy and healthy. Okay. And, um, and the school is still doing really well. We turned that project over several years ago to um, OPSB, which is now NOLA Schools. They changed their name as well. And... Um, and they're doing really well. While we were doing that though, we realized that we spent $8 million on a facility that served about 150 kids. Now remember this was post Katrina. So a lot of that was bricks and mortar. You know, we had to build the building up that had been destroyed. So a lot of that was bricks and mortar. But what we realized was that we had three to 4,000 children in Central City alone in poverty. And so we started going out to all the other schools in the neighborhood and said, here we are, this is what we do, how can we help? And what we found were two um, separate systems working in silos. 
you know, we had health providers, doctors, nurses, social workers, psychologists, and then we had educators, both of them very well-versed in the care of children, but working independently. And that's why we weren't moving forward because we work on the same thing. And I like to, I like to explain it by, we have the same dictionary, the same words, but different definitions. You know, um, developmentally appropriate to a first grader may mean, a first grade teacher rather, may mean that a child can know their ABCs and count to 10 or count to 100. But to me, it means as a nurse, it means that they can walk in a straight line and touch their nose and have balance and fine motor skills and soft motor skills and can have a sentence with 10 words in it. And so we have different definitions, but the kids have milestones both in the health world and in the education world they need to reach. So the real magic happens when the healthcare providers and the educators work together with the children at the center. And that's where we see the, the best benefit. Did you mention that you're a nurse there? I did. I have been a nurse for about 30 plus something years. <laughs> and are you at home right now? I am. How do you get to be at home and not out there on the front lines being a nurse somewhere? Um, probably because we care for my 94 year old mother-in-law who is blind and my 89 year old father are and they, they are very high risk. Are, oh yeah. Well, good point. That is a good and point. So are they I are in the same house as you right now? Yes, they okay. are. Along Excuse with me. a 16 year old and a 20 year old with autism. Wow. You're having and a, a husband. Full house. And you're in, and you're in Mandeville. I am in Madisonville. Madisonville. So Chris yes. Yandel is in Mandeville, right, Chris? I am down the street in beautiful Mandeville. Ah. How close is Mandeville to Madisonville? Well, I lived in Mandeville for 28 years and I moved four miles down the road to Madisonville. So it's kind of like Metairie in the about four miles. Yeah. Chris, how long have you been there? Uh, we moved back to Louisiana in August of 2016. So we're coming up on four years. Okay. Oh, right about the same time. And how you guys like living on the North Shore? Uh, we love it. Uh, I have a 12 year old and a nine year old schools are great. Uh, they have a lot of friends, slower pace of life. Uh, when we moved back here, we wanted to move in new Orleans, but just couldn't afford anything that was available. So we went to the North shore. Really? Yep. You, you couldn't afford anything in new Orleans at all. Mm -mm. Not, not anything in a good school district and I couldn't afford private school. So we decided to, go to Canada in St. Tammany Parish. <laughs> How do you, so this is because of the kids really you did that. Yeah, we, we wanted, so we had my previous job, we had lived in Atlanta, Miami and uh, Waco, Texas in the span of eight years. So we wanted a slower pace of life, a little bit more family friendly, quieter. So um, Mandeville has been great. The North Shore is, is much the same, but different than New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So I was born and raised in New Orleans and lived there my whole life. And we moved to the North Shore back in 1988, back when we had one stoplight in Mandeville and no Walmart. No, we had a Walmart, no Home Depot and no big Walmart. And we still had blue lights. We still had um, the K&B still would not sell alcohol or ice cream on Sundays. We still ice had blue cream. Why not hey, ice why cream? Why not ice cream? I have no idea. <laughs> That's outside of my wheelhouse, but those, they draw those blue curtains over alcohol the Alcohol and ice cream? Alcohol what and ice Protestant cream. What if Protestants got against ice things. cream? Don't know. There was a blue curtain? 
Yes, they would pull blue a laws. Blue, blue laws. Do you remember this, Asher? Well, I know what blue laws are. They're um, they're uh, laws that are like enacted because of Protestant belief, Protestant ideology. I'm not hmm. sure why they're called blue. Actually, yeah, so I, like, I don't know. That might be why they're called blue, but I thought it was to create an economic balance between stores that were closed on Sundays and stores hmm. that weren't. So stores that were open could not sell certain things because other stores by law had to be closed. Hey, this is, I've got an idea. Hang on for one sec. Sirach, why don't I stop trying to put this on Facebook and you try and do it? That's a good idea. Um, I've never done that, so. If you click on, you see those three dots at the bottom of the thing there? And one of them, one of them says, go put live on Facebook or something. Right now it'll say, <laughs> stop live stream. Do you see it? No. Yeah, I hmm. think you might only have might that. Be a moderator you've the, yeah, you've got the professional. Oh, only I can grant. do that. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. Well, we just have to keep going the way we are. Okay, so listen, Chris, you you're the author of a book. Yes, sir. Called Dad Lunch Notes. Is that correct? Uh, the idea is Dad Lunch Notes. The uh, title is Lucky Enough: A Year of a Dad's Daily Notes of Life Lessons and Words of Encouragement. So rather, a- rather, rather lengthy title. Yeah, it is. Say it again. Uh, lucky enough, a year of a dad's daily notes and life lessons to his daughter. I know I'm missing some words, but if you just search lucky enough, you can find it. You, this, is right actually, uh, this is actually Dr. Chris Randall. Yeah. So. Yeah. A doc, I've been a doctor uh, since October. It's still very weird to say Dr. Yandel. Thank Congratulations. You. Thank you. My my wife enjoys saying Mrs. Dr. Yandel. <laughs> how long how long have you been verified on Twitter? Uh I got verified. That was one of the perks of working in college athletics in my previous career. I got verified in 15, I think. 2015. An- another another accolade of society. Yeah, it, it is. Unfortunately, there are people with blue check marks that probably don't deserve it. Um I may be one of them. I don't know, but um, what are you a doctor of exactly? Um, so, as my daughter tells her friends, my dad is a doctor, but not the one that helps people. Um, <laughs> I am a doctor of philosophy in uh, higher education leadership. Higher education leadership. Congratulations! Okay. Thank you. How do you get to be a doctor of philosophy in higher education leadership? Do you have to? Like write a dissertation about something? Yeah, wrote a dissertation, went to uh, went to school for three and a half years at uh, Mercer University in Atlanta. Um, and after we left Atlanta in 2016 and moved here to Mandeville, uh, classes were only three Saturdays a semester in person. Everything else was online. So in about three and a half years, I logged about 23,000 miles round trip between here and Atlanta. Wow. And then uh, wrote a dissertation got it defended it in october of this past year became a graduate in december uh was supposed to get hooded next month in atlanta but that got canceled so whenever our uh why don't we do a little ceremony here today for you well yeah and once my stuff gets arrives in my house in mandeville i think we're going to go on lake Pontchartrain and do some some uh senior photos since you don't uh, have the rig you don't have the regalia yet no, it's Bad. coming out of Illinois where everybody else, the same company that every school uses. Um, they said 28 days 
and that was uh, about 28 days ago. So uh, hopefully we'll arrive while so we're on. Check we're your here. porch. Yeah. Yeah. Go take a look. I, I will keep okay. checking. I, I have con- informed delivery from USPS. I got everything under the sun. So <laughs> okay. I, I'm here. stalking them. For, yeah. Fermin Sebeos is also an author, right? Fermin? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> here you are. He's also written a book. Do you have your book on you? Yes, I have my book. My okay. third poetry book with me. <laughs> now look at this book. This book is even more difficult to pronounce. Pisando <laughs> mi sombra. What does that mean? Yeah, there's a walk in my shadow. Oh, cool. And yeah. is it in Spanish or English? Isn't both, but to read uh, for me, it uh, would be better if I can read something in Spanish or either way, I can I can play a song too. <laughs> yes, because you're a musician and a poet. Yes, yes, I do. What came from, you're a musician first though, right? Yes, yes. I am a, um, a songwriter and musician. I start uh, to play music and study music in Dominican Republic. Um, but um, I moved here, New Orleans, in 2012. And Do you have a green card? Um, you say? Do you have a green card? <laughs> That's the right reaction. That's an especially, it's an especially important question today. Um, um, I will not um, answer that question, so you can imagine. Good call, good like. call. Yeah, you can don't answer not that. To answer that question if you don't answer that. that. And yeah. also, and also, Grant, stop asking that. Yeah. Do you think it's do not you, a? Do you have a green card, question? Grant? Yeah. Does anybody I, else ask you that question, Fermin? Uh, I think you are the third person who asked me that question. Only the third person in your entire life. In my entire life, yeah. Wow. Have you seen what's going on today? If you're driving around New Orleans, you can be pulled over by the police and randomly asked questions now. Not just you, anybody. Yeah, but... Uh, like I'm, trivia? Uh, yeah. I think I'm... Uh, you know, police didn't, didn't stop me and ask me that question, so I think I'm good for now. <laughs> I hope so. Okay, well, we'll move on from that question. I think so they only want to stop you if you have a car full of people. <laughs> no, as of today, the police can stop you. If, okay. Maybe... maybe. See? Maybe if they stop me, I can give you a meal. I'm doing uh, the front line with red bean fries, so I can give you a meal to the police. Oh, that would be awesome. Nice. That, I would yeah. keep, that, keep that in the car with you as a sort of a bribe. <laughs> Who are you delivering food to? Uh, we're doing a tutorial. I've been to Oshner, and I've been on different and UMC. UMC, yeah, and, and right. on kind of history. So um, uh, it's uh, a lot of people doing this, you know, different drivers, different people. Uh, the entire crew also is like doing that stuff. I feel so happy to be part of this. Yeah. Is it musicians specifically? I, I think uh, um, people who play with art, you know, musicians, because I, I, I met a few people who uh doing another stuff it's not um just only music but uh different you know people from the community and, and i think this is good uh very good for our great. doctors yeah. and people and the health it's really health. cool so who who organized this actually uh this is organized by the crew of red beans um but but the people who take the initiative was like devin DeWolf. 
and after that he he talked to to his friends from the crew and from right. the musician friends and right and we that's cool so what made you want to move here from the dominican republic in the first place um to, uh, to move here norna was like my wife but um I wife first, yeah but i i used to live in new york with my family and play music in new york uh, before uh before i moved here to New Orleans. it was a good move right yeah, for me it was wonderful because uh, when I get here in Orleans, I remember the first time uh, when I came like visit to uh, visit New Orleans. So uh, I went to Maple Leaf, and as I, I was like uh, playing a live um, River Bradford. Oh wow! They were playing, yeah, they was I think they were celebrating the nomination of the Grammy that night or something like that. And it was crazy when I saw that kind of music and the power of the horns, uh, the rhythms and everything. I said, oh, my God, this is something new uh, for me and something that I really want to learn and really, really, you know, you know something very different from uh, that. I've been in touch before in the Caribbean. And New York. So for me, it was a really good experience uh, to move here in New Orleans and learn about New Orleans music, New Orleans culture, and also New Orleans is like too similar or very similar to the Caribbean. You know, right. it's a lot of things in common. And, you know, uh, I just I feel at home here. <laughs> yeah, how long have you been here now? Now it's been about eight years now. It's a long time. So there seems to be a lot of Latin music in New Orleans, but it seems to be like in a sort of a parallel universe almost. Where, where do you play normally? I play in a different different uh, places. I I used to play, you know. Yeah. Well, when we had a normal life. Yeah, but when we had normal, we we started a band called Merengue Four, on 2013, and it was about uh, Dominican music, just about merengue and bachata. And sometimes we play a little bit of song. Uh, it's a rhythm from Cuba, traditional rhythm from Cuba. And we used to play in different, uh, you know, Latin clubs and different festivals. But we also been in, in a lot of festivals like uh, Jazz Fest. Um, right. And, you know. Uh, I remember Jazz Fest. Remember yeah, when, then, when you say when you say Latin clubs, what what are they? That's what I'm getting at. There seems to be this parallel world of, of Latin music. Oh, they, they've been, they've been uh, different on, on Canner. In Kenner area, you know, the Latino yeah, area, sure. they have different Latin clubs. And also in the West Bank, because in the West Bank, it's a, a large population about Dominican people. So, you know, I used to play to play mostly on the West Bank, but we also play a lot of private stuff and, and you know, uh, weddings, birthdays, so, private so, parties. So. <laughs> so you make a living as a musician in New Orleans playing Latin music without ever playing like the Maple Leaf, for example, or Tipitinas, or anything like that. Oh, when I moved moved here, I just moved to play Latin music. I never uh, thought thought about to play uh, New Orleans music. You know, I I I just learned some New Orleans rhythm, some New Orleans style. To, yeah, but what, yeah, but to, what to I'm saying is, you can you can make a living as a musician in New Orleans with with playing only in Latin clubs and Latin gigs. 
No, really, but you got a lot of festivals and you got a lot of stuff around. So I, I, I do not play just only in New Orleans. I play in the all the in the, the you know the old the Gulf South. So, you know, different okay. festivals, different stuff. Right. You know, and I have a three projects. I have it just by myself with me and my guitar. I play songs in Spanish, Portuguese, and English, and I have the band. And also I play, you know, Latino music and uh, with my two bands. One is the Merengue Four, it's a smaller one, about five people. And another one is my fusion orchestra and it's about 12. This, I use more this one for festivals and stuff like that. So you have a 12 piece band. See, this is the music, when you listen to the music and you find it on YouTube or you, you have heard about you, it's just awesome. But it's not that easy to find you playing anywhere. That's what's so interesting that you can that you can play here and you're in this whole other circuit that that's not like accessible to most people, which is why you're here today. So what about playing something right now? Repeat. Can you repeat the question? Sir? Do you want to? Yes. Would you like to play something right now? Oh yes. I will. Yes. <laughs> Good question. Okay. Okay. Tell us what you're going to play. Oh uh, yeah, that song called Yo Vengo de Todo Lado. Uh, I played that song. I I wrote that song two years ago. I was like a part of the uh, Teatro Sin Frontera with Jose Torres Tower. And he asked asking me if I can write something about the immigrants and immigrant situation and something like that. And I say absolutely. I just I can write something about that because I think immigration have a lot of good things to bring to America. And mm -hmm. It's not only about works, about art and about a lot of stuff, food, culture. So I can write something about it. And it's some call, call it this, call it this. Yeah. Son historias verdaderas que te dan el hueso por la carretera. Son historias. 
So can you tell us uh, vaguely what that's saying, that song? Yeah, uh, the song saying uh, when immigrants come into um, to Dominica, to the to Dominican Republic, <laughs> to here, to, from Dominican Republic to here, or, or any part of the world, don't have to be Latin America, have to, you know, any part of Europe, whatever, Africa. A lot of people come to America to uh, to embrace a new dream, a new journey, and to bring his them cultures, them music, them food, and everything. So it's not to take your culture or American culture away, or to be over over America with our culture, with our music. We came to be part of this great country, a great culture, to be part of this. We came to be part of this, you know, and to succeed you, in America. Do this you, is, do you feel me. like people get the message? Do you feel welcome? I feel welcome. If it, people don't like it, it just, <laughs> it's, it's just okay to me. I have my, my position everywhere, every time, and that song's given me a lot of journey. So I, I don't feel offended if people don't like it, but right. if they like it, it's okay. Yeah, I, I don't have a, that thing. I just, you know, I'm a songwriter and I write whatever I think, whatever I feel, and it's, that's it. <laughs> it just seems like a weird time to be an immigrant here now, doesn't it? What'd you say? Is it just it? seems like a weird time to be an, an immigrant here. Like it used oh, to be, it used to be cool. Everything you were saying used to be true. It used to be like the greatest thing. Like everybody came here and it was this melting pot and all these cultures came together and that's what made the United States what it is actually. Yes, because uh, one of the leading of the song say, uh, if you look back to your story as a human, as a people here in the United States, you have a roots and all the countries and all the places. You know, everyone here is American. The real right. American was the Native Americans and they kill it. Most of them. So, right. did yeah. you did you play that song outside the White House? I played that song in front of the White House few few years ago, and I feel really good when I did. <laughs> good man. Yes, very nice. Hey, listen, let's get back yeah. to talking and about I'm children. And I'm here. I'm going to jump for it. <laughs> <laughs> let's get back to talking about children for a minute, where it's just like a safe subject. Okay. Chris, tell us about this. So Chris, Chris's book. Chris, tell us about your book. Your book started off as notes you wrote to your daughter. Yeah, so um, this was about three years ago. 
my daughter was starting fourth grade at a new school. So we moved here uh, to Mandeville in 16 and third grade was at one school. Fourth grade was another school. And we realized that it was her fourth school in five years after all of our moving. And she was finally starting to show some anxiety towards it. So um, I just started jotting down some words simply on a Ziploc bag when I made her lunch. And then when she stopped bringing her lunch, I had some post-it notes and I would just write on them. And it was really just things that I wish I had been told as, as a middle school kid by my parents and things I had learned along the way. And I would share them uh, on my Twitter and Facebook and Instagram accounts. And little did I know that they would actually resonate more with adults as well. Um, and the anecdotes behind them. And after a couple of months, I was told to put them in a book. And uh, I did a Kickstarter, raised about $4,000 to self-publish. And uh, I was supposed to be one of the authors headlining the New Orleans Book Festival last month, but we know that didn't happen. Um, so um, yeah, it, it's, been a, it's been a fun ride and, and I had books to sell and looking forward to meeting people. Instead, I, I gave away the 50 books I had to, to different parents and people across the country that I thought could benefit from it. And so you made up these little aphorisms basically mm -hmm. and put them on post-it notes. Can you give us a few examples so we know what you're talking about? Sure. I have my trusty phone because I take pictures of them, of, of each one I do. Um, you don't have and, the book? You gave all your books away? Well, I don't have any on me, no. Mm. But they, they are available online if you want to go look for them. Um, I actually gave away my own copy because somebody wanted it and, and I didn't want them to have to pay for it. Um, so okay. since school has been let out, I've been calling these with my daughter, my quarantine notes, um, <laughs> and, and keeping, and I'm going to, usually I only do it during the school year. Uh, but because based on everything that's going on in the summer, I'm probably going to continue writing them through the summer. Um, so like this morning I wrote to her, Addison, everyone is replaceable, but we have to make ourselves unforgettable. And I, I, that comes from a personal perspective where I've been replaced at jobs and, and in relationships and in friendships. And you just have to make yourself unforgettable to the people you meet in your life. And as a 12 year old girl, everything is unforgettable at this stage in their life. Um, so trying to get her to understand that you're going to meet a lot of people. Some people aren't going to like you. They're not going to want to deal with you, but you can still leave a good impression on them. Did you just uh, come up with that off the top of your head this morning? Um, it's one I had written a couple of years ago. It's, it's based on a quote I had seen before and I'll put my little twist on them. Um, what was the one you came up with yesterday? Let's see. Yesterday. Um, some people create their own storms, but then they get upset when it rains. And how'd and you they, make that one up? Did you just come up with that one off the top of your head? I, I wish I did. I actually saw that in, um, somebody had sent me a screen cap of that. But let me tell you one that I did come up with so you know. Um, okay. Let's see. But if you're going to put these in a book, you've had to, have you come up with all the ones that are in your book? Yes, I have. Okay. So that's how many pages is this book? So there are roughly 170 days in the school year. So each, each note was a page. Um, and then underneath, I would kind of write the anecdote or the story behind it. Um, fourth grade was extremely challenging for my daughter because 
Um, middle school is rough for, for preteen girls. So she had a lot of trouble with friends and other people. And then I was, I had previously been unemployed when we had moved back here. So I was going through my own trials and tribulations as well as being in school for a PhD. So a lot of the things I wrote paralleled our lives. Um, now she remembers some of them. <laughs> There's others where I would try to make a dad joke here and there, and I would get a really big eye roll. Um, and she would tell me I'm not funny. What, what um, time of the day are you doing this? So um, I normally write them around 7 a.m. and I'll post them around 8 a.m. What, what time do you get up in the morning? Uh, if school were still in session, about 6 a.m. Because she you get goes up at to six. Yeah. And by seven o'clock, you've already come up with some sort of pithy, quotable yeah. thing that was is so good that it'll end up going in a book and being a, mm -hmm. a permanent mm -hmm. quote. And yeah, and sometimes, I say, and sometimes I'll even, do, uh, and sometimes I'll even do them a couple of days in advance. Like if I have a thought, I have a really bad long, to, short term memory. So well, if you I couldn't have, even remember the word short, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so if something came up in my head, I'm like, I, I've got to jot down something so I can remember it. And th there's been weeks I'll write a whole week in advance, and then there's some I'm struggling day to day because oh, no kidding. I, it's yeah. seven o'clock in the morning i'm struggling to to do anything well, and, and i'm usually two cups of coffee in and everyone's up in the house the dog's up he's been out so it's well i can't you know, be the first person to think of this listen here chris if you can come up with this kind of stuff like these pithy marketing type slogans and feel-good slogans mm -hmm. at seven o'clock every morning have you thought about going into some sort of copywriting or marketing or advertising business? Well, um, my day job, my career's always been in public relations and in writing. Um, I've always been told I'm a good writer. Um, I actually submitted a proposal for a second book um, earlier this week to a literary agent. Earlier this week? Have you got yeah. that in front of you? We'll help you out with that. No, it, it was just a proposal, just to think, to make it a difference in what I'm trying to do with this previous book. Now, another literary agent I got a pitch to, I've got to write 50 pages. So that's going to be the, yeah, this is going to be this weekend and, and how to make it different and what different angle can I take? Um, By the time you've written 50 pages, it's half of a book, isn't it? It seems like it. And there's been some days where I can sit and I can write 50 pages without blinking an eye. And then there's a month where I've got so much writer's block. I just, I, there's nothing I can do to overcome it. Is this going to be a book for kids as well or something different? Um, yeah. So I try to make, the only reason why the first one got published and this is what the publisher told me. I included some writing exercises in it for both parents and kids to kind of give them prompts. Hey, think about this and then write down your thoughts and trying to help them um, write and connect that way. Because naturally, I'm introverted, as is, as is my daughter. So sometimes writing and putting things on paper is a lot easier for me to communicate than talking on the phone. So normally, I hate Zoom calls. But when it's stuff like this, I enjoy them. Normally, I only want to communicate via text and email because talking on the phone or talking in person takes so much energy out of me. And my daughter's the same way. So I know it's hard for a lot of parents to have that open relationship with their own kids trying to talk to them because you get one word answers. So, but if you teach them how to write or communicate in that written world, that maybe could open some doors and, and help bridge that connection. Connie, have you seen this book? I haven't, but I would love to see it. I would love yeah, to see I, it I too, would, but unfortunately, wonder, Chris gave him away. 
If that well, they they are available at Octavia and um, Garden District Bookstore. I know that, um, and they were in Barnes and Nobles in the area, but they all sold out. Wow, that's cool. And you so can buy I it on Amazon. If that um, that mm -hmm. one word thing is a boy thing versus a girl thing. Because I never get more than one word out of my son, but I get uh, too much he, out of my yeah. daughter. My, my eight-year-old son, I love him to death, but he could, you know, talk to a wall socket for an hour and have an intriguing conversation. Uh, whereas my daughter, it's just one word answers. But yeah, Grant, you can buy them on Amazon, Barnes and Noble online. Um, so I, I think I've sold probably 800. Oh, which that's wonderful. They, they said that, you know, on average, and I didn't know this, nonfiction book writers only sell about 250 books in their lifetime. And I've managed to sell between seven and 800 in two years. Yeah, I, the number I saw was, it, it was a head scratcher. But when you think about it, all the best sellers you see in a bookstore, that's, that's half of 1% half of, of, of the authors and the books that are being sold. Fermin, how many books have you sold of your books of poetry? Uh, I think I, I, it's about the same thing, about maybe 600. And it's about a year ago that I wrote it. You guys are both superstars. Hmm? In the, uh, the nonfiction world. I, I would like to think I am, but I don't know about that grant. Well, if you sell four times yeah. as many books as most people, that's pretty impressive. I, it, I've it, been shocked that most people only sell 200 books. Chris, you know, I have another um, venue for you. That sounds like a wonderful book for English teachers yeah. in middle school in high school because they start writing they learn to write yep. and they give them writing prompts and in college in english 10 15 i mean i'm doing that now with my son you know he gets writing prompts every day and those would be great writing prompts and and i've helped my daughter with her writing i've helped rewrite dissertations for half of my cohort and proofread that mm -hmm. stuff so um i've been fortunate enough that i can write well i know i can write better um, because I, I can't seem to get a literary agent to find me attractive enough to want to take my book idea, but you know, Hey, well, if hey, you're only selling on average 200 books, why would anybody want to be anybody's agent? Well, ex ex make a living out of that? Exactly. And, and that's the question. And, you know, through my channels and social media and people, I know a lot of it's been word of mouth and, and how people find out about it. Um, but I want to know, am I missing something else? Because I know what I've done can be extremely helpful for a lot of people. So hopefully it, it reaches a, a bigger audience. But hey, I've sold 700 more than I ever expected. I didn't expect to you sell more than sell zero. Well, I thought I was going to sell one and my mom was going to buy it. And that was it. <laughs> what about <laughs> translating into Spanish for me? That was exactly what I was just going to say, Chris. Well, you know, I, I have taken some, some Duolingo courses in Spanish because I was supposed to go to Spain in June for an academic award conference, but uh, I still need to brush up on my so Spanish. So much for that. But, yep. but for me, your book is in Spanish and English, right? Yeah, this is the thing. Uh, it's, it's, I have a translation in the Spanish and English. The English, you know, and and I did a release in New York, and is it a lot of Dominican people? It's a big population, so I think that the, I remember the the night of the release, I sold out about one hundred and twenty. So, 
and within a year and I've been you know selling like no just not only online it just personally you know I have some friends and people who have friends so uh, it's been a good experience uh, yeah because so I, 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 I have famous expectation I, I didn't know I say I want to write the poems and I want to put the book out but I don't know if we are all I'm going to sell anything, you know. Now I'm thinking I'm gonna write a new one, so I'm working on that. What's one. your new one going to be about? Uh it's, it's about um, the the title's called uh, "El Olor de la Flor." Is the, the the smell of the flowers? It's like about romanticism, uh, like oh. yeah, something like that, and yeah. Is it a book <laughs> of poetry as well? Yeah, we'll be a book of poetry. Of poems. And do you take the poems and put them to uh, music? Is that the lyrics of your songs or is it two separate things? No, it's separate. For that reason, uh, the book that I wrote before, uh, Pisando Mi Sombra, the, it's my first book, I, t I tell it's a connection uh, between songs and um, and poem or poetry. But, but because songs sometimes or most of the times, if it's a good song, have a lot of uh, poetry influence, you know, it's kind of poetry too, but the format is different. So I have, um, I have, um, uh, you know, my, you know, I wrote the poetry in, in, in the way that it's supposed to be technically, <laughs> and the sums is different. But you can also make a song a, a, a poetry, or a poetry you can make it a, a poem, you can make it a song, you know. It's a, they have relation, but in the meantime, right. they have some differences. It feels like two different things when you're working on them. Yeah. Hey, you want to you want to play something else while you have the guitar out here, or you want to play something on the accordion? Oh, I can play something on the accordion, like traditional merengue from Dominican Republic. Yeah, that'll be great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you. Okay. So, Fermin, is your uh, your is your poetry um, originally in Spanish, and then, and then is original in Spanish. And then, do you did you do the translation for the for the English version, or no, no me, no me. My wife did. Oh, all right. Yeah. Is she from, yeah. is she from New Orleans originally? She is from original from New Orleans. Yes. Ah, yeah. see, that's how you get to be here. That these <laughs> New Orleans. <laughs> is she yeah. a poet as well? Uh, she used to write um, kind of like year before. She don't she don't do it anymore. And she used to play also uh, clarinet too. So she is like okay. really uh, involved with arts and music. So she's an architect too. That's good. That it's just you know translation poetry in in translation is tough. Yeah, I feel, to, I feel because like. the, tra the translation of of songs and poetry is. Sometimes it's difficult because it's not a conversation, or you know, you need to translate the meaning of the of the songs of, of the poem. Right, and poem. just like and like the music of it, you know what I mean? Like I've read a lot of Neruda and uh, Jorge Borges and stuff like that, but it's like it's not. I know that what I'm getting is like just a a shell of the thing that was created by those artists. You know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm reading it in English because I'm an American and I only speak one language. Well, it, it is. It is like that because it's the same thing to me. Sometimes I write like uh, books 
um, books for like Americans or authors or something like that. And when you read the translation on Spanish, sometimes it's a decent translation, but sometimes it's worse. You know, it's it's kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, yeah. wordplay wordplay sort of by its nature like ceases to exist in a translation of a poem or any kind of like music rhyme that happens inside of poetry, right? Like it's yeah. only by chance that it would exist in another language as well, unless those languages were really closely related, like maybe yeah. you know Spanish and French or something like that. Yeah. And, and also, I got a few poems on my book that I didn't make any translation to in, in to the English or another language because it's, it doesn't it's work. not going to work. Right. It just, it, what, what's the Spanish <laughs> word for hashtag? <laughs> Is there one? No, sorry, Greg. What's the what Spanish word for hashtag? Words, I don't know. I don't know, but depend what you what you're looking for. You know, like the hashtag. And yeah, the, I know. There's no word for that. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, we we say signo de numero, like numeral numeral. So, numeral oh, the number of sign. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, number sign. Yeah, we say. Oh, okay, like, so that's what you say, like on, in social media, like we say, because like, I see, Chris's thing is called hashtag Dad Lunch Notes. You know what I'm saying? We're off the subject here a little bit, but <laughs> talking of translating from English to Spanish poetry. So what song are you going to play? Uh, that one called Jame Adentro is like, it's like, I, I am, I'm born and raised from in the small community of the Dominican Republic. It's like between mountains and rivers and something like that. My dad was like a, a farmer and professor. So, and I just, I wrote that song uh, for my little town. Okay. What's, an, what's the name of the town? Hame. Uh, Hame. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. <laughs> city are you in? Uh, here, uh, New Orleans. I, I'm living in the 7th Ward. The 7th Ward. What's it? For me. And what, what kind of neighbors do you have there when you play the accordion? Are they into that or are they bang on the walls? <laughs> I used to have some neighbor, uh, a, a cool one, but now I have one uh, just 
make once. Sometimes I was playing like not recording the guitar, kind of late, and she beat the wall. I say, oh god, I, I, <laughs> I, I need to stop. Because <laughs> it's pretty tough living next to an accordion player. You have to really oh love my god. I, Even me, I don't want to have a, a neighbor who plays the accordion. <laughs> Andrew, do you play the accordion? Never played accordion in my life. Never touched it. Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, I haven't, but I know you have. I have an accordion. I'm going to go get it. Oh, you, you have an accordion. <laughs> you took a lot of accordion. I have an accordion. This is the downside to this fucking Zoom situation: is that we're not in the same room. It really is getting frustrating now, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> it's a downer. It's a bummer. It's just getting to the point of stupidity. I mean, we have to yeah. do something about this, right? What make up that happen? make up that vaccine. What between then we us, can we all hang be, out again. Look, Chris can sell eight hundred books. Fermin can sell six or seven hundred books. I can give eight hundred immunizations. Connie can give eight hundred immunizations. Between <laughs> us, someone's got to come up with a fucking vaccine, right? Somebody's yes. <laughs> Somebody has got to be smart it's enough time. to do it. I've got a lot of eggs. I'll get to work on it, I guess. Yeah, you know, that's interesting, Asher, that you mentioned that. Did you see this? Did you know that vaccines are made with eggs? Yeah, that's why I said that. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you know that from me? It's a preservative. Oh, it's a friend of mine who said, man, if the virus died with water and, and salt bubber, like, so, and water and soap, what they've been finding foggy vaccine. <laughs> it's complicated. It's really complicated. But I did you see this? There's a friend of mine who said this. <laughs> one of the reasons they're having trouble making the vaccine, even not having trouble making it, but even if they come up with the recipe or whatever the formula for it, is that to manufacture it at, at a scale large enough to immunize everybody in the world, yes. you have to have millions and millions of eggs. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, I think that oh, we need uh, to grow more chickens. Yes. <laughs> I'm on it. I'm on the chickens. How's it going in, in Arkansas? Are you still on the basement, Asher? Yeah, I'm in the basement. It's cool. I was a little late to the party today because I was uh, running. There's a treadmill down here, and I just decided I'd start. Man, you're really having a major life change out there in Arkansas. In this yeah, it's big. Quarantine. It's big. How are the chickens? You haven't killed any more since last week, I'm hoping. No, we didn't we didn't <laughs> kill any more. Okay. They're do doing, you guys on the North doing... Shore have any wildlife or anything? We do. We yep. have a lot of wildlife, actually. What we have, have you deer got, in our backyard. Do you, any, do you have chickens? And wild boar. Wow. We don't have any chicken. We have some roosters up the street. Yeah, there's some chickens up the street and... Um, some literal wild turkeys in the neighborhood next yep. to us. Which neighborhood yeah. are you in? Uh, so we're off of Salt. Um, yes. I forget what I forget what neighborhood it is, but uh, coming back one afternoon, there, yeah, it might have been in that area. Um, there was like six turkeys crossing the road. I, I shit you not, and <laughs> haven't seen them since. So I'm assuming they became someone's dinner. Well, that was going to ask you that. Quite a lot the... of little farms off of Salt. Yeah. What is the legal situation about killing uh, wild turkeys? Is it no turkey idea. season? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Do you I'm, need a permit or a license? That's what I, I'm wondering. I would assume you would. If they end up in your backyard? No. No. <laughs> we just have not seen them again. So I'm assuming well, they became someone's lunch or dinner. But there's no law against killing a sparrow outside, is there? Well, that's not you. People just usually don't 
food. No, though. so I think actually on the that... North Shore there are quite a large part of the North Shore are national bird sanctuaries. Hmm. Uh, and be prosecuted. Mm-hmm. Okay, well I won't encourage that then. All right. <laughs> but it does sound like a pretty doable idea, though. Hey, are you Andrew? Andrew, you are. <laughs> Andrew, do you want to play something today? What are you sure. feeling like? I'll play a song. Okay. That's a good idea. Chris Roth is here. He's our only guest, I see. We had oh, Jerry Helper in is here, too, I think. This thing with, with yeah. Facebook is so fucked up, I can't even begin to tell you. <laughs> Take that, Facebook. Be grateful there's no what pain. happens to it? Why doesn't it work? Why did it work yesterday? Andrew and I did a test yesterday that worked perfectly for 50 minutes. And today it's completely fucked up. It doesn't work at all, I don't think. Or is yeah. it working? We had a brilliant conversation. It's working. I'm, I'm showing that it's working. Is it on now? Yeah. I it's been it on for Facebook. a minute. I'm so sorry. All right. <laughs> I apologize for everything, Facebook. Don't yeah. delete me. I really didn't mean any of that. <laughs> I've only, sure I've only, I got a, I got a notification about five minutes ago that it went live. Yeah, oh, it really? was live, and then it went away, and now it's back again. So I don't know. I don't know. It's really crazy, though. Ooh, Andrew, how are you pretty. feeling today? How am I feeling? Yeah. Here's <laughs> Jerry Helper. Been a slow how? start to the day, but good. How are you feeling? I'm okay. I'm frustrated today. How was the uh, pizza? Pizza was great. Andrew Just made a yet. pizza made... from scratch last night. I, I've been I've been making several pizzas. I made from pizza scratch. from scratch last night too. Nice. What do do you have? Do you have yeast? <laughs> oh, I used a cauliflower crust because my mom. Oh, that's a nice. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Your mom I, uh, what? She, my mom's a glutard. <laughs> She's a glutard. I never heard that term. I mean, it might not be a polite term. <laughs> okay. What does it mean? Gluten-free retard? Yeah. N- yes. It's no. combo of those two? On the nose, Grant. <laughs> I see. Okay. Hmm. Okay. I'm sure she doesn't like being called that. <laughs> well, I won't. I'll, pr- I'll not say Where that. is your mom? Why isn't she on here? She's upstairs. I just heard her walking around. They were. Um, Do you have a broom they that were... you can smack into the ceiling? That's how to shut up. <laughs> no, not not within. We need to not drag in everybody's family on the meatloaf. <laughs> we want it now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I'll get her. I'll get her down here next time. Oh, and I got That's... strings in the in the mail for my guitar, so I'm going to bring a guitar next oh, time. What do y'all think? Hell of yeah. Okay. That's good. <laughs> Do you have, what do you play? What sort of stuff? Like a six string guitar? I have a six string guitar. I mostly okay. play open tuning. I play, I am, uh, I'm, my time spent in Mississippi was heavily influential on my style, I'd say. Okay. Here's a little kid right here. Okay. Sorry Elvin? about the dog. Is that Elvin? Yeah, it's Elvin. I don't know what goes on there. Someone, somebody might have walked past, you know, or a leaf. There's going to be a giant storm tonight, by the way, if you're looking forward to the, for the weather forecast. Okay, we haven't got long to go. With, we have to, well, we don't have to get out of here at all, I guess, do we? Yes, we no, do. My that. children need to eat dinner again. <laughs> we'll just put sure. it on pause. Okay, Andrew, what do you plan? Uh, play a, a song called Promised Land. Okay. Nice. For me, you can play along if you want. Oh, let me see. What is what is the key? Let me see. Let me see that time.
leave behind what I can't carry. I take along what can Further along, we'll all be gone and buried. We got time, we got troubles, we got freedom. Further along, we won't need no money. Further along, we'll all be holding hands. Oh, but until then, I'm just a man without a country. Wanted it this true in the story of the promised land. Can't you see the forefathers in the eyes of a poor mother with nothing but dreams for her son, nothing but dreams for her daughter? She walked for miles and miles in the rain. Can't you see your mother? Can't you see your mother further along? We won't need no money further along. We'll all be holding hands. All oh, but until then, I'm just a man without a country. Is it true in the story of the promised land? Oh, Lord, my, is it true? Yeah. We have to unmute ourselves so we can Beautiful. clap. Good job, you two. For me, that was nice as well. <laughs> I'm trying to jump in. <laughs> beautiful yeah. song, man. Thanks, yeah, man. Appreciate it. It's tough with the lag, right? You know, you, you try to play along, and then, you know, it's like the the buffering happens, and then, you know, you can't. <laughs> well, it sounded good, though. We've got to solve this whole fucking problem somewhere, somehow. Thomas, come on. Hey, let's talk to our guests here who have showed up. Jerry Helper, and how are you doing? Where are you calling from? I'm good. I'm in Iowa. Right. <laughs> You're in Iowa. What part of yeah. Iowa are you in? Um, right outside of Iowa City, about 20 miles west towards Des Moines. Have they got the uh, COVID-19 virus out there? Oh, God. Yeah. It's awful. Our governor's not doing much about it, and she sides with somebody... I completely don't like so it's it's pretty bad. There's a so, lot out here. So when you're not locked down there. You can go out and do whatever the hell you want. Um. Yeah. Per se, all of the restaurants are locked down, and and you know salons and things like that. So how will you get your haircut? Uh, I know. For a hamburger. I have a. <laughs> I, 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 okay. I just, there's, oh. there's carry out i am in a town of 750 so yeah i have to stop uh, but my husband and i moved out here we met in new orleans um he was working at ralph's on the or at bayona and um i worked at uh, who is your husband house. ben helprin uh i don't yeah, think ben i don't but think we I moved to him. iowa right after 
I moved to Chicago, then to Iowa right after Katrina and opened up a little restaurant, New Orleans style. Oh, you've been so gone since it Katrina. worked out really well for a while. But... You've been gone the yeah. whole time since Hurricane yeah. Katrina. Oh my God, you were have, but I've come have back, you been back just about every year. Have I have, yeah. I was back. back um, I was back about a year and a half ago, and uh, the day I, the day I got back, the then. night we got back, we, yeah, it was great. We were next door to uh, Tube South or Tube um, Number Two, and uh, at the Food and Beverage Museum, we had just went to go there and randomly in them. And my my old roommate, she's friends with uh, Isaac tubes and he sees her and he's like Mimi I need you you and your husband and your friends to come to my to come to my uh book signing party and so it was everything was just beautiful completely free on the house and it was the perfect union union you know coming back so All right. um, yeah it was pretty awesome All right. my favorite are you part. thinking of moving back or are you going to stay out there in Iowa always always thinking of moving back yeah. so All right. we'll see yeah, right. I'm well, thanks for joining us today. It's nice that you're our only guest. Well, Chris Roth is here, but he was here last week too. He doesn't care if we don't talk to him. Chris, how are you today? <laughs> oh, I am good. How are you? Good. We're good over here. Are you ready for the hurricane tonight or the storm or whatever the hell it's going to be? Playing it. What else? I mean, you know, first the plague, then the storm, you know. Yeah. What does it matter at this point? Let it hey, so listen, Chris, did you ever see that? Got to go feed his kids. But before yes, we go, I do. I mean, we were supposed to be talking about this show that you're doing that you're going to be doing online. I knew we were going to forget that. Well, I cannot forget that. The Band Together Benefit. Yeah, when is it? It's uh, um, this Saturday, uh, April 25th, um, from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, and we'll be a lot of. Um, artists involved on it's like i think it, each artist record i don't know if i can do the detail <laughs> uh, 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 we'll, we'll be playing uh, a couple songs yeah uh, to raise some money for musicians in new orleans so you know the musician community we are like really uh, uh in a bad shape there now bad situation because we cannot play um, in bars and restaurants or private event festivals. So I I feel it is a good initiative to do that because, you know, anyone uh, who can support with a little money, a little bit of money with that will be great. And will be a grant for um, each musician who apply for the grant. So okay. I hope we can raise a good money and we can uh, distribute, you know, this money into... Okay. Can you tell us what it's called and where to find it? Oh, yeah. You can find it as a band together. Uh, as a, I think the website is a bandtogether.com. But on the social media, uh, it's bandtogetherbenefit. Add bandtogetherbenefit. And we'll be on Instagram, and Facebook, okay. uh, Twitter, anyone of this. Uh, add band together benefit. Band together benefit. Uh, okay. Band together benefit.com. Yeah. Okay, so we just uh, like Uncle Erie. And it's uh, this. Rufins, kind of. Tank and a Banga. Get out of here. Uh, Flow Tribe. There's a lot of artists. <laughs> we'll be good. It's really cool. And it's this Saturday, the 20th. This Saturday. Yeah. Something. What yeah. date is that? It's 25th. Monique, what is it? 25th. 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 I was only yeah. off by a day. Okay. All right. 
<laughs> very good. Hey, everybody. So thank you very much to the Positive Vibrations Foundation as a part of that. The Positive Vibrations Foundation create and encourage community through the development and preservation of the arts, music, culture, and heritage, and we're partly responsible for bringing us Happy Hour today. And if you'd like to be a member of our Happy Hour family, you can go to patreon.com and search for It's New Orleans Happy Hour. And for as little as one solitary dollar, you can be a part of our Happy Hour family. And we can go to Band Together over the weekend and look for this yes, live show. Together. We can also find... Chris Yandel's book on Amazon and for only a couple of bucks buy that and become smarter like you and by me seven o'clock in the morning we could start writing <laughs> witty banter to our kids as well Connie Ballone thank you so much for being here as well what what are we what is the name of this place it's called No something now um it's called heal the health and education alliance of Louisiana the health and education alliance of Louisiana and that can be found at heal.com and we work with kids in poverty, and our goal is to have a school nurse and a mental health provider in every school. Okay. That's a worthy, nice. that is definitely a worthy cause. And Fumin Sabayos, thank you so much for being here as well. Everybody. Well, happy. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's been great to have you. Hopefully we can do this again when we're all in the same yes. room. Yep. We can. And we can have our quarantinis. And you can. Quarantinis. <laughs> What's that? We can have quarantinis together. Quarantinis, oh God, the whole thing. Anyway, if we're still alive next week, we'll see you back here. That's been happy hour for another week, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. The producer of our show is Graham DePonte. Our music producer is Thomas Walsh is our technical director. Andrew Searock, Searock is our digital producer. Ashley Burford is our Facebook live feed director. Ashley, you have to take over that. Our music consultant is Christian. And it's currently being played by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show, you can drop us a line. Our address is on our website, itsneworleans.com, or you can just try and get on this Zoom call anytime you want, actually, as well. You can also check out other happy hours on our website, itsneworleans.com, as well as some other shows that we sometimes make around here, including Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti, Louisiana Eats with Poppy Tooker, and our award-winning podcast about death, which is called Death the Podcast, Never More Appropriate. You can also find other great Louisiana podcasts at itsacadiana.com and it's batonrouge.la and you can keep up with us between shows on a bunch of time-sucking social media. Like, for example, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can find those links on our website, itsneworleans.com. You can find photos from this show, believe it that or not, on itsneworleans.com and on our It's New Orleans Happy Hour Facebook page. These photos are taken today by Jill LaFleur and you can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app. Thank you for subscribing to us. If your podcast app has a share option, try telling a couple of friends about Happy Hour. Our show was recorded live today on Zoom. Unfortunately, we're all trapped, isolated in our own houses. But nonetheless, on behalf of Andrew Duhon, everybody on our Happy Hour crew marooned in their homes and here on Zoom. Thanks for joining us. I'm Grant Morris. Looking forward to seeing you back here next week for more Happy Hour.